Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. Uh, I want to get into, into, a, into a subject that I really do believe uh, we don't talk a lot about, but it's important. And I want to talk about the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. And, and the reason I want to talk about that is, 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 firstly, I really believe God's told us to. But if you look in Scripture, and I want to give you some statistics this morning, there's 31,124 verses of Scripture in the Bible. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, there is 23,210. Of those Scriptures, there are 6,641 that deal with Bible prophecy. That would be 28.5% of the Old Testament is devoted to Bible prophecy. You get to the New Testament, there are 7,914 verses and there is 1,107 of the, uh, 1,111 of those verses, again, a Bible prophecy, which means 21.5%. So if you look at the whole Bible, 27% of Scripture is devoted to, to, to coming prophecy and, 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 and Bible prophecy, eschatology, end times. And, and so to, to, to have a quarter of the Bible devoted to a subject... And to give one Sunday a year on it, I think we need to actually talk about these things a little more. And, and the reality is uh, the world is getting a little bit mental right now. I don't know if you've noticed that. We've got our buddy Kim Jong-un. Uh, he's causing all kinds of trouble. As far as evil dictators go, he's definitely the funniest. And, uh, but the world, the world is a bit crazy right now. I mean, if you look on the political landscape, if you look at what's happening here in Australia, the world, we're, we're moving into a time where things are getting a bit unpredictable. Matthew warns uh, uh, of, of after the rapture, he says there's going to be a time of deception in the church. He says there's going to be time of dissension, wars and rumours of wars. He says there's going to be devastation, famine. There's going to be uh, decrease. There's going to, uh, sorry, of disease, pestilence, mass spread of disease. There's going to be a time of disasters. There's more earthquakes now than ever. You've had two Category 5 hurricanes hit America, whereas in the last 100 years there's been three Category 5s to my knowledge, and, and one of them is Hurricane Katrina. I mean, the, these are not regular occurrences historically, but now they're starting to happen more and more. And, and America's not the only country that God cares about, by the way. Uh, I'll have you know, in, in the Caribbean, they got wiped out. Uh, the Virgin Islands have been wiped out. There's one island that hasn't had that has not had one person on it it's been completely evacuated for the first time in 1200 years it doesn't have a person on the island isn't that unbelievable so i'm saying all of that to say this we are living in crazy times now you say david are you worried i'm not worried because i I know who our answer is but but when when jesus spoke to the people in matthew and he told them all of these things this is what you've got to understand jesus now some of you, you've got to understand the incarnation of Christ. We talk about this a bit. Jesus became man. So he willingly laid aside his eternal glory. What does that mean? All of the benefits of being God, he laid them aside. One of them is omniscience. Somebody say omniscience, which means to know everything. So when Jesus is teaching and he says in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day, no, an hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. 
And then he says in Acts chapter 1, they, they, he says, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. But before that, they said, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said the same thing. It's not for you to know the times or seasons. The Father is placed in his own authority. Do you know when Jesus was telling these guys this stuff, he didn't know. So can you imagine? It puts a different spin on end times. We know what Jesus knew at the time that he spoke. He knew minimal amounts because he had laid aside his omniscience. Some of you might go, are you, are you sure? What I'm saying is not a new theology. I'm telling you, it's a widely held belief. Jesus functioned as a man, so he didn't walk up knowing everything. There are times he stepped into a prophetic anointing, but he didn't know everything at every given time. So what I'm trying to tell you today is Jesus... Man, I feel the presence of God in this place. I'm having a good time today and we can talk about the rapture. It's going to be great. I'm saying all of that to say this. Can you imagine Jesus sitting with his disciples, sitting with the Jews of the day, sitting with the Gentiles of the day, going, I don't know when this is going to happen. My father knows. I don't, I don't even know. But it's going to be like a thief in the night is going to come. The rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ is biblical. There's a rapture of the church. Now, there are different views. There's a kingdom now view that really, it's, it's also, you could also be known as a preterist that believe that all this happened in 70 AD. But I believe if the rapture of the church had happened in 70 AD, we might have some historical record of that. And there, there isn't any, you know. So, so that's just my view that it, I, I believe the Bible's literal and I believe this is to come. And I don't believe we've entered the day of the Lord because in Thessalonians, uh, they, 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 they had thought they had missed uh, the rapture of the church, the day of the Lord, all of these things. And they're all worried about it. So Paul says, okay, let's sit around. Let's have a little talk about this. And so if you have a Bible, just jump with me, please, to the book of First Thessalonians chapter 4. Are you happy today? If you're visiting this morning, we're, we're hitting end times today. And, and some of you might go, well, I came to, to, you know, just to be inspired and all of that. I pray you do get inspired. But every now and then we've got to get into, into some of what the Bible says about issues that are just a bit unusual. And, and you, might, you might not be a follower of, the, follower of the Lord and you're here today and you're hearing some of the things I'm about to say. I want to warn you, some of this stuff's a bit apocalyptic and, and it's a little bit crazy. And... and, and the reality is, as the deliverer of this, even I accept that some of this might be unusual, but I'm not saying anything that's not found in Scripture. And, and if you, if you uh, go to the historical roots of the Baptist Church, of the Uniting Church, of the Anglican Church, of the Church of Christ, of the Assemblies of God, and, and most of the major groups of churches, they all hold this same view. It's just that trying to explain the book of Revelation, when, when you've got guys getting visions of technology 6,000 years ago and trying to, Ezekiel's talking about wheels within wheels, he, he doesn't really even know how to articulate what God's showing him. And so then we're trying to bring now that into a 21st century context and explain how this goes. We're not going to get it fully right, but we're going to do our best to unpackage uh, what Scripture is saying concerning uh, what lies ahead. Are you happy today? But, but I want you to tune in, be full of faith, because I feel like God's going to do something. But the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it's one of my favorites, by the way, because uh, it's old time Bible preaching. Have a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant. Somebody say ignorant. Now, that's not a rude word. He's saying, I don't want you to think you know and not know or profess to know and not know or not have any interest in knowing. You need to know about this stuff. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest your heart sorrow as others who have no hope. And it goes on to say in, in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who have died, they're dead. 
For, the, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will no, by no means precede those who are asleep. Now verse 16. For the Lord himself, somebody say the Lord himself. Says, for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Somebody say, caught up. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, now this is powerful. Verse 18. Therefore, comfort. So this is not something we're saying to scare people into eternity we're comforting one another with these words therefore comfort one another with these words talking about the end of time the bible says uh that we who are alive and remain the dead in christ will rise it's going to be crazy we, i don't know, i don't know what it's going to be like it's going to be crazy this is what the bible says to the thessalonians they're going have we missed the day of the lord he said no but this is what's going to happen you're going to hear the shout from heaven you're going to hear the voice of the archangel michael then you're going to hear the trumpet of god graves are going to open up i know it's crazy I don't know how God does it, but God, God's always been one for doing things. When he does them, he does them well. And then he says this, he says, and, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds. So if we're alive at this moment, I don't fully know how the rapture of the church happens. I have one theory, I've shared it with the church before, but I'll share it again. In heaven there is, and I'm making this up, that the Lord told me. In heaven there is a rapture button. It's a big red button. And one day there, there was an angel. I don't know his name, but he was a bit rebellious. He was a naughty angel. Not bad enough to be fallen. Just a mischievous angel. Didn't sin, just push the boundaries. So one day his job is to clean the button. So he's clean. He's got Mr. Sheen. Cleaning the button. And God was looking away. Though he's all-knowing, he still knew, but the angel just wasn't... So God looks away. The angel just, just doesn't push the button. You don't want to bring on the rapture early. Just because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place. It may not have been fully prepared. So, so he, he, just, he just, just taps the button. Just, as he taps the button, the Bible says Enoch walked with God. And he was no longer. He, and God's like, Enoch's here. What have you done? He's like, I was just bumped the butt. Enoch's here. Don't do it again. 1,800 years later. There's Elijah in the chariot. He's just minding his own business. The chariot takes off, leaves the atmosphere. And there's Elijah in a chariot in heaven. How's it going? And God's saying to the, what have you done? Elijah, if you do it again, you're losing your wings for three weeks. And so... 2,000 years later, the angel, there's Jesus on the top of the mountain. He says, lo, I'll be with you always. He's gone. (laughs) It may not be true, but it feels right to me in the Holy Ghost. But there is coming a moment, according to Scripture, where there will be a rapture of the church. Now, the word rapture, you will not find the English word rapture in Scripture, but the English word rapture comes from a Latin word, which is rapturo, which comes from a Greek word, which is harpazo, which means a catching away. It says here, you'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Caught up, a catching away of the church. There is a bird, and, 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 and I think dinosaurs as well, raptors, which they, 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 they take their prey by plucking them, by plucking them, whether it's a fish. With, now, God is basically, that is how the Bible uses this term. 
kingdom. He's, there's going to be a catching away where we're taken from this life and, and taken into heaven. Now, God's not going to eat us uh, afterwards. That's the difference between birds of prey and the grace of God. God doesn't eat us. But what I can tell you is God will take us. <laughs> that's great. He's going to take us out of this life and bring us into eternity. And we're going to reign with him forever and forever. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the best church service ever. We're going to be minding our own business. We're going to hear a shout. Come on. We're going to hear the archangel go. Come on, whatever he's going to say. And then we're going to hear the trumpet of God. And boom, we're going to leave this body as we came. Stark as our clothes are going to remain. Our stuff's going to remain. And we're going to go to heaven. And after that, there is going to be a thing called the tribulation, which we get to avoid by the grace of God. <coughs> Unless you're mid-trib, you have to stay. I'm pre-trib. I'm going. Some people, no, nah, it's in the middle. Well, you can be mid-trib, but you can wait around. I'm going. When he says, toot, I'm going to scoot. Now... This is how this is now. Now, this is to the best of my understanding trying to break this down. Some of you might be visiting our church and new to our church going, This is Scientology. <laughs> it's not Scientology, it's Thessalonians. It's but do you know the rapture of the church will take place at a God appointed time? No man knows the end, no man knoweth like a thief in the night. taken out of this life and in heaven with Jesus. The reason tribulation breaks out is because the Bible says that the restrainer, it says it in Thessalonians, the restraint is taken off. The restrainer is gone. What's the restrainer? It's the Holy Spirit in the church, in the people of God. It's the Holy Ghost in you and me that holds back the forces of darkness. Don't underestimate the power of the church. And I mean capital church, not Life Point Church. Mind you, we're doing all right. But I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ, loving Jesus, lifting up a banner of righteousness, standing for integrity. Under the anointing of the Spirit, we hold back the tides of hell. Don't, don't compromise. Let's not be a compromising church. We're, we are the restrainer. Some of you go, oh, look, it's my job to love. No, it's our, it's our job to be the church and say, I mean, it's, it's our job to love. <laughs> no, it's our job to love. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It is our job to love, but it's also our job to pray and say, God, heal our land. Do something supernatural by the grace of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians concerning the rapture, we'll be asleep, we'll be changed in, the, in, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Titus talks about the rapture of the church as our blessed hope. We're looking with anticipation to our blessed hope. Comfort one another with these words. We're waiting for an appearing. See, the, the rapture of the church and the second coming are two different things. The rapture is God appearing to take us home. The second coming is when we come with him to earth. Now, after the rapture of the church, we're in heaven, and then things go crazy on earth. There will be the, there will be the revealing of the Antichrist. There will be all kinds of crazy wars and rumors of wars, and different things are going to take place. And, and these are, these are real things, and it's going to be a terrible time on planet earth. But in that time, God's going to raise up witnesses to preach the gospel. You think about this. If we suddenly left this room right now, the trumpet God sense, we just all go through our little shoots. We've all got one each, you know. There's a couple of bigger ones for some. And, and, <laughs> but do you know, we, we go through the atmosphere and we get into heaven. YouTube's still going to be here. I was thinking of taking this message, putting, putting, putting a little memory stick and maybe, maybe getting print, print out of my sermon and getting one of those time capsules and just digging a hole out the front of the church with a little sign. If the rapture happens, if this place is unoccupied, dig here. Uh, we've got a few things that we need you to do. Stock up on baked beans. Uh, 
build a bunker. We talked about that last week. Do not build a bunker and have baked beans. Bad combination. <laughs> but the reality is, those that are left behind, maybe it's that husband that never believed his wife who was in church all of her life. He'd come home and say, Jesus is coming back one day. She might leave this earth. Let me tell you, that guy's going to preach. Yeah. He's going to go, okay, I think I know what she was talking about. <laughs> There'll be 900 million Bibles left on planet earth. The Bibles won't be raptured. Sermons won't be raptured. Books won't be raptured. It's all here. We'll be gone. This building will be here. They'll be able to rifle through this place. They'll be able to find books, literature, different things. Jesus is extending an incredible amount of grace by offering a last reprieve. This is Bible prophecy. It's apocalyptic. It's crazy. And in some ways, I've said to Donna before, I'm not ashamed to preach it, but I, get, I, I want to preach it in a way that's a little bit real because I don't want people to just think we're off with the fairies saying weird things. But the Bible says at the end, there's going to be very supernatural things that take place. So, so we know all this is happening. So what do we do? Uh, how do we live with the rapture in mind? How do we... How do we live in light of eternity? How do we live knowing that Jesus is coming back? I want, to give you, I want to give you four thoughts today. How to live in light of the second coming of Christ. When, we, when he comes back, you know we're coming back with him. And it's going to be awesome. It's, it's a victory. It's not over for the world. Great things are going to happen. But I want to give you four thoughts today. How to live in light of the end times. We talked about living in light of eternity today. I want to talk, how do we live in light of the end times? Number one, uh, number one, and these are simple thoughts today, but I want to, I pray they bless you and build your faith. Number one, uh, don't live in fear. Number one, don't live in fear. Don't, don't be a preacher of fear. Don't be a Christian who proclaims fear. We proclaim victory. He, say, he says in Thessalonians, he says it in, in Matthew, I believe too, he says, see that you're not troubled. People get concerned. I had someone come up to me, the, the Antichrist is on the rise. And I, you know, those things are, those things, they're good sound bites and maybe it's true, but we've got to remember a couple of things. The Bible says that we get, get raptured to heaven and then we come back with him to planet earth. Now, you say, how does that work? I don't really know why we come back with him. Because it seems to almost be that we're purely with him for effect. For real. Some of you go, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible tells us how God is going to deal with the Antichrist. The Bible in one translation says he will deal with the Antichrist and his armies with one breath of his nostril. Somebody say nostril. Not nostrils. You know, he's such a poor foe. Jesus is like, I'm not even going to bother with both nostrils. I'm just going to go with one. Uh, you know, I don't even need to use both. This is a single nostril adversary. And so we're going to gather at the hill of Armageddon or the valley of Armageddon. You know why it's called Armageddon? Because they, they said Armageddon out of here because it's, 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 that's a church joke. That's up there with as bad as Habakkuk tea. But do you know, <laughs> he says, it's actually because it's going to be in the valley of Megiddo, the, the armies of, of, of the Antichrist and and those coming against Israel are going to gather, but God's going to reprieve and protect. The Bible says he'll destroy the armies with one breath of his nostril. So we're going to be there ready to go. I'm, the Bible says we're coming back with him. We're going to ride with him. Riding, I'm going to ride a horse. I don't even know how to ride a horse. I'm going to be, I've got my boots on. I'm ready to go. I'm rapture ready, folks. And I'm going to, I'm going to ride my horse. Apparently, I'm riding a motorbike with him. <laughs> I'm, going to be, I'm going to be riding with him. And then the Bible says that, 
he's going to defeat the Antichrist with one breath of his nostril. So I'm going to have my sword drawn. I'm ready to go. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be feeling quite fighty on the day, just to be exciting. And I'm going to be ready to go. And he's going to say, everyone, just put your swords back. Jesus is going to stand there, hair white like wool, eyes like fire. If his eyes are like fire, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> Tattoo, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. For all of you that think tattoos are wrong, he's getting one. I don't know what to do with that. I'm not getting one, so you don't need to leave the church. But Jesus, he's going to have one. So some people go, don't mark your body. Well, Jesus is. So I don't know. What would Jesus do? Get a tattoo. So So Jesus is going to say, okay, everyone, put your your swords down. Then he's going to walk up, overlooking Armageddon. And then it's done. Some of you go, the devil's attacking me. I'll give you a strategy of spiritual warfare. (laughs) Oh, you don't know the week I've had. I wrestled with the devil all night. In Jesus' name, done. Man, if 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 it's severe, you go double nostril. Do it in stereo. But I want to tell you today, we, we, we got to understand, some people look at the end of time, oh, it's go- yeah, it's going, to, it's going to be a difficult time, but if you're born again, man, if you're saved by the grace of God, if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, and you're saved by the grace of God, you don't have to look with fear, you can live in anticipation, but we still need to be very aware uh, that, that we need to make sure we're taking as many people with us on that ride to glory as, as we can in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, can you say amen this morning in Jesus' name? Number one, don't live with fear. Number two, go to church. I'm not trying to drum up church attendance. Actually, I'm always trying to drum up church attendance. That's kind of my job. But if you, if you have your Bibles, go to Hebrews for a minute. Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Are you happy today? Are you ready to go for a... I'm, I'm rapture ready. I'm, I'm good to go. I'm excited about the coming of the Lord. But I, I'd like a bit more time, you know. I want to see... I want to see this world wonder Jesus Christ and saved by the grace of God. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up good works. Verse 25 says this, not forsaking. Somebody says not forsaking. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now keep that up because we've gone with capital letters to try and look trendy. You'll notice on the monitor on the back wall, uh, it actually is capital D for day because it's talking about the day of the Lord, the rapture and the second coming, everything that's encompassed in there, the tribulation of the church. And so he says, uh, don't forsake the assembling together of the, of the saints, which is the habit of some people. And he says, but so much more. Be more vigilant about this as you see the day of Christ's return drawing nearer. You might have been in church 10 years. You're 10 years close to the return of Christ. And so maybe the longer we're serving God, let, let, let our church attendance wane and, and, and become less consistent. Let it become more consistent and more, more diligent. Love the house and, and, and believe that God wants to do something. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not preaching this because I'm trying to really, I'm not here with a, a loaded message because I want to say the church 
come to church more, all of those things. What I am saying is the house of God is important in these days more than ever. As a mum and a dad, model that to your kids. I'm, I, Donna and I, we're not perfect parents. Our kids do all kinds of crazy things in the car. Yesterday, my son was telling me I needed to start deceiving Donna because I, I put my foot on the accelerator and started speeding. And, but I wasn't really speeding. It was just like a zero to 40 in a Holden Cruise. Uh, took about... 47 seconds but he thought it was fast he says don't speed dad uh, and I said and, and he goes don't worry I won't tell mum <laughs> I said why won't you tell her he says because you'll get in trouble and he says so then I won't tell her I said why not he says because that's the way the world works <laughs> so I gave him a belting for deception no not at all not at all that's a joke that's a joke but do you, the truth, though, is I want to raise my boys in the house of God. I want them to be here because I want them to understand that look, church isn't perfect. Uh, we get it wrong. We make mistakes. We made, made plenty here. But at the end of the day, our hearts we do try to be right before God and say we're doing our best. And, but we, we do want a people that are living, not just living in the comfort of Christianity for us, but living with the end in mind and realizing that not just going to church, but being the church, being part of the answer, the hope of the world, bringing Jesus to Adelaide to see people saved by the grace of God, see people walking with Jesus and see people born again by the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that our church wouldn't just be people that come and, and sit idly by, but we'd be part of this thing and going out, being equipped on a Sunday to take the world for Jesus on a Monday. I love the church. I grew up in the church. I got saved in church. I think of Influences Church. Whenever I drive into that property, and maybe for some of you, you feel the same way, there's a, there's a sense of, of familiarity every time I go in there because I found Christ there. I got, I, I got baptized in the Spirit there. I got called to be a preacher there. I did Bible college there. I had my first home fellowship there. I received encounters with God there. I learned how to pray there. I learned so much about God in that place that whenever I drive into that place, I feel like I feel as at home there. In some, some ways, I do even being here because it formed who I was. I remember Donna started attending church there and I developed a little bit of a crushy crushy on it. And uh, the little Baptist girl is sneaking over to the Pentecostal church. And, uh, and as a result, we, we kind of got together, you know, and, and now we still are by the grace of God and, and by my constant romantic prowess. <laughs> and so, but, but I think before that, if my mother hadn't got saved in the car park of that church, I think it was in the car park, at least that's what Paul Newsham tells me, and uh, if my dad hadn't got saved there, I wouldn't be here. So church has been fairly vital in my development. Dad was not walking with God and some teenagers in Paradise Youth, when it was Clemsic, they got together and they prayed and they said, this guy needs to get saved. They had a prayer meeting on a Sunday. On the Sunday night, he comes into church. And Pastor Andrew preaches, John 8, 32. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And my dad had school students in there and all of that. He didn't want to embarrass himself in front of those. But Pastor Andrew said, if you want to accept Christ, slip your hand up. And dad knew he wanted to get saved. He didn't want to embarrass himself in front of the kids. So he did it super fast in the balcony. He went, <laughs> Pastor Andrew says, I see your hand back there. And so he says, come forward to get saved. He says, I'm not coming forward, no way. You know, I've got my students there. And he said he felt a hand on his shoulder. He ran forward as he ran forward. Pastor Andrew laid hands on him. He hit the floor, speaking in tongues, saved by the grace of God. You say, those things, those things 
aren't accidents. They happen because of this thing called the church. Now, now it's not the church that does it. It's God that does it. But he seems to abide in the house of God. And I want to encourage this church. Maybe you're a young family. Can I tell you, so are we. Donna and I are young family. We're raising kids. It's, it's tough. We, and I'm not trying to pull out the violin or anything like that, but I'd fully pull out the violin, believe me. Anyone who will listen, it's tough. It's, it's tough. It's tough when on a Saturday night you want to go to church and your kid's throwing up all night. Or it's tough when you... And I'm not, I'm not trying to get legalistic about it. But at the, end, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, mum and dad put a stake in the ground and say, it's for me and my house. We're going to serve God. Let's raise our kids to know Jesus. Let's raise our kids to serve God. Come on, somebody, if you believe it. Number three. We've got to preach the gospel. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and revelation. Some of you, some of you go, how do I preach the gospel? A good, a good way to do it is to maybe just start with telling somebody, hey, I found Jesus. God's flooded my life. I'm born again. I know Christ. He, he did a work of grace. Do you know when you testify, the reason it overcomes is because when you testify and bring a testimony, what happens is the anointing in the moment of which you speak comes into that moment. That's why testimonies are powerful. When I tell you, I can talk to you about, and I don't want to get weird, but I can talk to you about times that I've encountered God in power and anointing where I've been flat on the floor as God's been filling me with his spirit. If I start talking to you about meetings I was in where God grabbed a hold of my life and visited me by his spirit and power, I can tell you, even now, as I'm even just saying those things, I feel the same anointing in that moment come now. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is all about bringing people into the same encounters with God that we've had there is nothing more powerful than you telling somebody i met jesus he changed my life do you believe that on a sunday morning snaps for jesus say eh? snaps for the lord he's earned them do you know let, let's let's keep looking at this for a minute matthew 24 jesus says this gospel will be preached talking about all the problems that are going to happen in tribulation he says this gospel will be preached and i'm telling you the gospel will be powerful after the rapture but what about we preach the gospel before wouldn't you love to see as many of your friends saved? Some of you and family saved. We, we give up on that stuff. We've accepted the lie that they're not going to be saved. Why not? We've got friends that aren't saved. Why not? I'm, not? I'm not putting that on you. I'm putting that on God. Why not? Some of us, we go, I get, my son's backslidden. That's just it. I'm just going to love him. Nah, believe God that he's going to turn around. My daughter isn't walking with, believe God that God's going to break the shackles of darkness. I've got some family members that are in a mess right now, man. But I can tell you, still no match for God. God can do it. We've got to keep believing, church. Come on, somebody. We've got, to, we've got to keep laying hold of God. Maybe some of you have got to believe some things for yourself because you feel like maybe chains of darkness, chains of bondage have got a hold on you. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed in the name of Jesus. But we've got to, we've got to preach the gospel. I don't quote Catholics too much, but St. Francis of Assisi, what did he say? He said, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. In other words, let's live the gospel. Can I tell you, let's carry the gospel. That's why I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why I believe in the supernatural of God. I want to carry the power of Jesus. The same power Jesus carried, release it into impossible situations in the name of Jesus. Can, can you say amen? And, and number, number four, talk about not living in fear. Be in church, preaching the gospel. Number four, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, and let's have a look at Acts 1 for just one minute. I, 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 we, we talked about it for just a minute uh, as we open the message. It says this in verse 4. 
being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the whole... So, so they're going, hey, well, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He's saying, you're going to receive the baptism of the Spirit. You're going to get full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, the power of God's going to come to your life. Yeah, but when are you going to restore the kingdom? Oh, gosh, when's all this going to happen? And he goes, I don't know. I haven't been told yet. But here's the thing. Do what I'm doing. Just be filled with the Spirit. Just be full of the Holy Ghost. What do we do while we're waiting for the coming of the Lord? Get full of the Holy Ghost. I know we preach this a fair bit at our church, but can I say without the Spirit of God, we we have nothing. Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things he did. The Bible said, uh, Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. Why? For God was with him. You and I, we need the power of the Spirit. You and I need the anointing of God. Maybe you've never received the baptism in the Spirit. What, What is that? Well, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells you. So when you say the Spirit of God comes onto the inside of your heart, but when you get filled with the Spirit, He comes upon you to anoint you for ministry, to anoint you to, for service, to anoint you uh, to do what God's called you to do. I need the anointing of God's Spirit. I, I, need, I need the anointing in any form. I'll take it out ever it comes. I just know that without the power, <laughs> excuse me, without the power of God, we got nothing. Lord God, give us a church that has the power. Lord, give us a church with the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, Lord God, give us a church where the sick walk in and there's enough power to get them well and get them whole. Lord, give us the kind of church where the pastor doesn't have a hacking cough every Sunday. God, give us a church where miracles happen and lives are impacted by the power of God. <coughs> Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Are you happy today? I believe this stuff with every fiber of my being. Jesus is coming back. And he's not coming back for a church less powerful than the one that he left either. Uh, The Bible says he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. I wonder if God looks over the rails of heaven. Jesus looks over and goes, okay, life points the bride. God is arranging a marriage for us, for the marriage supper of the Lamb. I wonder if Jesus gets to have a bit of a sneak peek. At, the, at, his, at his bride, if he looks over and goes, Ooh. Oh, man, she's. Hope she can sing. <laughs> Hope she likes fishing because she's not pretty. I <laughs> I pray that when God looks over the rails of heaven, Jesus looks at Life Point and goes, Yeah, all right. I mean, he, he, can I, he's not moved by superficial things, but I pray that we're the church that Christ has been waiting for, you know. Church is loving. A church is kind. A church is winning the loss. A church is multiplying. A church is having an impact for the glory. A church that's got momentum. A church that's, ha- you know, our, our church isn't perfect, but, man, God's grace has been on this place the last three years. We've doubled in size and some we've extending our building, we're planting down south, we're taking over border town. I mean, it's just God's grace is upon us. We're starting a Bible college. It's just, it's just the beginning of what God's about to do. And I would just encourage us, let's continue to be the kind of church uh, that, that, that God's calling us to be, a church that impacts and, and, and touches the lives of other people. And, and that, that's how we live in light of the second coming of Christ. 
We live with our eyes on heaven. The Bible says, watch and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. In other words, be spiritual. Be diligent. Have an eye on what God's called you to. Keep one eye on eternity. Because there's coming a day. It's going to be awesome. The sky's going to burst open. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.